right, everyone. Welcome back to the Bet on C2C podcast. Welcome to episode six. And uh, we have a fun one on the slate today. I'm going to call this one uh, Embracing the Yuck because this kind of the players that we're going to talk about, maybe some, not some of my favorites, but it's necessary when it's time to win money. Of course, I have my fellow co-host with me over on my, uh, I believe your left-hand side of the screen, my right-hand side is Mr. Ethan Sowers at Ethan Sowers. How are you doing tonight, buddy? Doing real well. Good, good. And I have, of course, the most infamous Mr. Chris K at Realist Chris K. He was the uh, the realist on Campus Life this week. How would you enjoy it on the pod, man? It was fun. It was a good time. If you if you didn't watch it, I we uh, I think I broke Colin in a little bit with the bit on C2C type of style, you know, a little BTR style there. But I like but a good time. It's good to be here. Did a lot of uh, good pronunciation, a lot of good practice there. I yeah, think you make Mr. Law very happy and very proud with your pronunciation. So I should have <laughs> never done that. I should have never done that. That's my fault. I, it's all right. Yeah, there's a lot of truthers out there, like Ethan he got one of his players on there. So there was a lot of love. So right. a lot of deep deep targets, which I enjoyed. And I think uh, Colin's a fan of the show. So shout out to you, Colin, if you're listening. How are you doing, buddy? I'm glad you're enjoying the new stuff. Um, we didn't have our guest this evening. There were some scheduling conflicts. We'll have them rescheduled soon. Uh, so it's going to be the original squad. We're going to do it just like old times as well. And we want to start off with a little housekeeping. Of course, you got the Campus to Canton website. Of course, we have all the articles, tools, guides, and different memberships. Much, much more. Articles are dropping daily. And there's also new tools that are being developing. Jarek has something really cool for the NIL people that's actually been able to see some of that and preview. Um, so if you're a fan of uh, Austin's year one stuff, you might be interested in something like that. So maybe check that out as well. Of course, we have the in-season edge uh, membership for $29.99. That's all the gaming content throughout the, the entire year. It's an exclusive first look at all the weekly game plays in the private Discord channel. So you have Moxley that posts the numbers pretty early. Uh, he does it Sunday morning and then kind of keeps you posted throughout there as well. Also, like we just talked about, there's some stuff as far as new tools and new projects that are being launched. We kind of send that out to the NIL chat first to get their take on everything, to play around with it and see how they like it before we release it to the rest of the public. And, of course, everything from the scholarship promotions. You're getting that throughout the year for a great price of $29.99. Of course, you get these two gentlemen's uh, articles that are dropping. So if you're trying to look for prize picks in the early slate there, if you want to check out DraftKings, Stacks, and things like that, all that is through the NIL membership there on the end season edge. So definitely go check that out. And of course, we have the promo code C2C. We're going to be talking uh, price picks here in just a second. But if you go to the price picks app, entering the code C2C, you get a matching deposit up to $100. I believe that also gives you a discount on the in-season edge promotion as well. So please go check that out as well. All right, boys, let's do some campus picks and get it started. And I was able to put all three of us on the board this week. And I like what we got going on. A lot of unison in certain games this week. And we'll talk about that as we get into the DraftKings stuff more. I like the Davis Brin love here. Uh, we talked about him on the CTN pod. I got a chance to be on with Jared this past weekend. We talked about um, the emergence of Davis Brin and how he's doing there at Tulsa and how I love me some Juan Carlos Santana to go along with it as well. Uh, Kay, looks like you decided to go with the rush yards, which I like, and I went with fantasy points. So tell me why you chose the rush over the fantasy points. Well, I just think uh, the funny thing is I'm going less on, on the rush, right? Like I'm, I'm projecting to be really bad at rushing, right? But that's just because he's going to throw a lot. Like, I just think volume-wise, he's going to be throwing a lot. And there's the opportunity for sacks. He's not a mobile guy. He's gone under, I believe, on two of three, maybe three of three. I have to remember correctly. Um, he's your standard statue white guy. 
if we're being honest with ourselves, right? So like, I love an under on that, right? Carson Strong's under, you know, more or less was like negative four and a half all last year. So this feels like value for a statue white guy. Yeah, um, he is. He's that in-pocket guy, finds his target and slings it. Uh, one of the running reasons why I decided to go for the uh, fantasy point score, Davis Burton has been well over 16 fantasy points every single week that he's played. He's got even better matchups coming this week. Um, Mississippi is nothing to be, you know, to bat an eye out or anything like that. But at the same time, they'll be probably one of their tougher opponents being a ranked team. However, their passing defense isn't anything that you should be necessarily scared of. And then, of course, Tulsa enters their conference play certainly after that. So I think that trend keeps continuing. I think he keeps filing Stokes. He keeps finding uh, Santana and kind of gets the job done. So I did pick more for there as well. Looks like uh, we are on the UCF game as well. And it looks like. And before we do that, it looks like you did take Keelan Stokes over five receptions. Ethan, uh, why'd you choose Stokes, say, over uh, Juan Color Santana for this week? Yeah, so uh, for Stokes, the big thing, I was able to get in actually on, on my personal picks. I was able to get in that four and a half, which I love even more than than five. Uh, but I was, I was taking a look at uh, just some stats uh, for Stokes. So as of right now, he uh, is averaging 12 targets a game. Uh, he's got a catch rate of 77.8% on those uh, targets. So with that math, he just needs to have a catch rate of 41.7 this week if he gets his average targets, and we're, we're gold on that. So I really like that. Uh, Ole Miss currently allowing a completion percentage of 66.25%. Uh, so that's roughly uh, – I don't have the exact number here. I want to say it was around 60th or – between 60 and 90th, uh, very below average um, on the year so far on defense uh, as far as the completion percentage allowed. So in a game where we're probably expecting Tulsa to be throwing from behind, I think he's going to have plenty of volume, and that's that's really what we're looking for here. Yeah. Uh, moving on to uh, – I want you to talk about Jeff Sims real quick. I love the, uh, the rush and pass, especially going up against UCF, another game that we'll talk about here in just a second. Why would you choose Sims uh, over, say, UCF players? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, just as a, an overview, you know, we're, we're in week four now. We've had, you know, 25% of the game of the season kind of behind us. So really getting the chance to use this season stats as more of a predictive measure. Uh, this season, Jeff Sims has averaged 141 passing yards per game and 29 rushing yards per game. So that puts him right at 170 already on average. Uh, he, you know, he's in those those games that he's faced already. He's faced uh, a Clemson defense that you assume is probably going to be a little more stout than than usual. So we're just really looking for him to get 15 yards above his average, either on the ground or through the air. Um, we know that UCF faced Malik Cunningham. He had 121 on the ground uh, just to Cunningham. Um, I don't think that Sims is you know, quite as fleet-footed as Cunningham. Um, I really view him right in between the two guys that uh, UCF is coming off playing, so right in between Cunningham and Nikosi Perry as far as uh, rushing ability. I think he's uh, pretty well in the middle there. Um, so seeing him get 15 total yards more than his average, I think that's a, a great opportunity. Jeff Collins clearly going to be coaching for his job here. Um, it's yeah. a winnable matchup. The Yellow Jackets need to win this one, and I, I think Jeff Sims is their best offensive weapon, to be honest. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely noticing that Sims is actually getting probably the most carries, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's projected as probably the highest runner on the actual team, which is uh, not surprising uh, that Jeff Sims can kind of get it done. So if anything, I think the rush charge is going to help you get over that 185 pretty quickly. Uh, let me talk about Javon Baker, and then I'll move over to you, Chris, with the with the Plumlee pick. I was presently pleasantly surprised. You know, you take Baker. I took him in Dynasty. He's one of those defects from Alabama, one of those receivers that you're just hoping that he was going to make the right decision. First, he chose Kentucky, and I was like, I uh, don't know how this is going to go. I might have to keep on the bench all year. Uh, and then he moved to UCF, and it's been a surprisingly uh, wonderful thing to happen. I think he made the right choice and went to a system to where he could be used. Looks like Plumlee loves spending time with Javon Baker, both on the field and off the field. So I think there's a really good friendship there that's going on too. And he's looking for Baker often. And Baker has went well over the 13.5 fantasy points every single week. Uh, I benched the first week because it was a wait and see, and then it happened again in week two. So finally I put him in for week three, and he he did a great job, especially with uh, – a guy like, say, a Josh Downs or people like that that are injured currently that you can't play or you have to sit on the bench or maybe you're having Quentin Johnston and he's not doing so hot you know, the past couple of weeks. you got to play like a guy like Javon Baker, especially in CFF, and uh, he's going to do wonders for you. So I'm definitely open to that as well. Uh, Chris, you took Plumlee, which I love. Uh, the rush yards, I mean, that's a, I think it's a given. Uh, what was your, what's your process there? I mean, that number feels really low, right? Like he's hit that in yeah. all three games. He's hit 16, 17, and 20 carries in his three games. He has faced the likes of South Carolina State all the way up to Louisville. He's faced FAU. Like Georgia Tech is somewhere in between there, right? Like <laughs> they're, maybe they're closer to South Carolina State, but he still hit 100 <laughs> against South Ben, right? So, yep. Uh, that number just feels really low, right? Like, he's a runner. He's had some good passing games, for sure, right? And I think yep. a lot of it is, is just style and format and strategy and stuff like that and opponents. But at the end of the day, he, he wants to run, and that is what he's best at. And just kind of like Sims, like, he can break a long one. Like, I think the Sims play for you, Ethan, is great because – he could hit 80, 90 yards rushing easily, and he's a yeah. D1 quarterback. If he can't hit 100 yards passing, that's trouble. So I love that one for yeah. you. <laughs> um, I, I'm surprised I didn't even see it, to be honest, but I love that. So, yeah, I love Plumlee over 65 and a half. I'd be shocked. I haven't looked recently. I'd be shocked if that's still there. But if it's anywhere – 75 or uh, below in terms of rushing yards, I would hold, totally hit that again. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if it's gone up or not. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure we got these pretty early. I think this was like a Monday morning type thing. We have 75 and a half. It is up to So it has moved up. But still, that even 75 I'd take. You know what I mean? Like, I, think, yeah. I, I think I'd still take over there. I think I'd yeah. still take over there. And then at that point, I feel like I'm just not getting the, the same value as I could have had. But I, but he's a run first guy. Like he's a, he's a, anybody that's seen him play, he's really pretty mobile. Like he's fast. Like he, you'd think he would be the worst thrower to be he honest. He should be like running more than he is, to be honest. Yeah. He, especially in that Louisville game. I felt like they were holding him in the pocket more than they should have. Uh, I don't know. It might have been uh, BTR. It might have been CTN. I can't remember who I was listening to. Somebody said that uh, Javon Baker clearly was told. You know, part of his deal was that we're going to throw it to you ten times a game, because uh, that seems like the only guy that that Plumlee is locked in on. But uh, I like both of those both of those guys hitting there over this week. 
Yeah, no matter what they promised, I'm just glad Javon decided to get out of Kentucky and, and head to UCF. I think it was one of those people where they didn't have to reach out to me, Chris, or Ethan to be like, hey, which school should I go to and not make the wrong decision? I think Baker actually, in the end, made the right decision and went to where he's at. Uh, let's talk about the, the this Nick and Bo Nick's appearance again and here on the price picks mm. this time around. Uh, we got of Oregon yeah. going against Washington State, 29.5 rushing yards. Uh, what was the thought process there, Ethan? Yeah, I mean that's really a uh, just a gut play that that doesn't have much uh, much data behind it at the moment. I got you. Uh, but I mean, following his performance last week, I'm, I, and you'll kind of see this in my my draft games lineup later. But I think that that the touchdowns aren't necessarily going to come from Knicks this week. Um, I am kind of feeling a, a little resurgence of uh, the run game, be it Cardwell or one of the oodles of running backs they've got over there, Whittington and some other guys. Um, so I, I don't know if he's got as much touchdown equity as he had, you know, the past two weeks. Um, but I do like the rushing yard stat. I think it's another case of, you know, these competitive games against good defenses, quarterbacks, need to use all of their athleticism, all of the uh, assets that they have at their disposal. So I think Knicks is going to be able to hit that 30 uh, rushing yards. The one thing that scares scares me a little bit is sacks. You know, Washington State's defense has come to play. Um, I'm not 100% sure how good they are. Um, I question the integrity of that Wisconsin uh, performance. I don't know, you know, how strong of a, uh, an offense they're going to be this year. And then Michigan State, uh, you know, they are ironing out. Well, Michigan State was uh, Washington, not Washington State. I'm sorry. But that, uh, that Wisconsin matchup, I question, you know, how, how strong that was. Obviously beaten up on Colorado State, but everybody's beaten up on Colorado State this year. So do you have we'll any see how those, but yeah. do, do you have any concern about uh, – because Washington State, you know, we have Cameron Ward on the other side of things. Do you think it uh, bodes for a shootout possibility? Do you think uh, he doesn't run as much because he's having to throw in case Washington State somehow gets up a touchdown or two? Do you think Oregon's defense can keep that from happening, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't worry. I welcome that, that shootout because, you know, that just means that he's going to have more opportunities to drop back. And for Knicks, dropping back means, you know, he's got the opportunity to scramble too, so it's not really locking in. Um, but I, I think you make a great point with a passing offense on the other side. I think he's going to have more opportunity. I think pace of play is going to come in. And I think he's going to have every opportunity to go and, uh, and hit that over on, on rushing yards. Again, sacks are my only concern there. Yeah. yeah Bo, Bo is a scrambler by nature, right? He's kind of got yeah. natural happy feet and that's kind of like what's kind of hurt him in the past in terms of passing. So you must want it to be a, uh, a shootout, like a high scoring, back and forth type game because you want him to be dropping back because he's not scared to run and he's a good runner. I mean, I don't know what his numbers are in terms of uh, yards per carry, but I would imagine it's somewhere closer to like three to four yards per carry. So that's pretty solid for a quarterback, you know, all things considered, right. With like sacks and all that. So uh, you almost want it to be a shootout. And I think, I don't know if I would bet that number, but it's close. It's certainly close. I think I have – I was looking at my projections. I have it at like 26. So it's close, but all it takes is one decent to big run, right? And then it's just a lock at that point. Yeah. Uh, 
So let's talk about Will Shipley real quick here on the bottom there that uh, Ethan had. Uh, I like the I like the option just simply because Clemson does have a really good defense at the top in the ACC. They go up against a very pass happy Wake Forest, which if they do shut down Sam Hartman, Perry, and you know, and they can lock down some of the other receivers, you are looking at a run narrative. Uh, is it just you think uh, you know they're going to get out early with a run game between Pace and Mafa and uh, Shipley kind of leading the pack? Is that what you chose Shipley for the the prop of seventy seven point five rush yards? Yeah, so these bottom three, these are all data-driven. That that Knicks is just a gut play. But Shipley, yeah. uh, the uh, the big statistic that I, I pulled in my article here um, is that Shipley's accounted for 45.6% of the Tigers' rushing production this year. Uh, Wake Forest has allowed 147 yards per game on the ground. So wow. if we think that Shipley's rushing chair is going to be static and he's going he's gonna to hit that 45.6%, um, and we also think that Liberty, Vanderbilt, and uh, Virginia Military Institute um, are uh, comparative, com- uh, comparable to Clemson's run game, uh, then we would assume that he's going to run for 67.04 rushing yards. That being said, I don't think anybody thinks Liberty, Vanderbilt, and VMI have a running game anywhere close to what Clemson can, can do. Um, so getting those extra 11 yards on top of expectation is completely reasonable in my mind. Um, there, I, I would have liked this better if it was a rushing receiving uh, combined prop yeah. uh, for a little bit more because we know that Shipley can always get you know a screen and take it to the house. Uh, but 77 and a half, I, I mean, it's completely reasonable. Yeah, Shipley's such a complete back, and that's what I like about him probably over, say, um, you know, I, I like Moffat and I like Pace too, but Shipley's so complete. I think he's going to be an excellent NFL running back. And, you know, he looks like he's staying healthy, which is great. If he can stay, you know, endurance and stuff like that, he's got a, he's got a good future ahead of him for sure. Uh, do, you, do you think, you know, I'm not saying that DGU is much improved from last year, but he has shown some qualities to where he can stay in the game longer. They're not pulling him. Cade is only really getting a couple, pa- you know, you know, passes a game and stuff like that. Do you think any of the wide receivers like a Bo Collins or any of those guys kind of feed into Shipley's passing game? And and so do you worry maybe the rush will kind of hinder that if they're up where they can pass on them? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that passing game is uh, anything to worry about with this line. Um, The big thing that you you want is, I mean, you want DJ to at least be able to sustain drives so that Shipley maximizes his opportunities. Um, I I don't think that that offense is – quite as bad as it was last year i think dju uh knows that he's he's got to perform better um he's played better the last two weeks than he did in uh that opener but uh you know i i think shipley is again you know i'm looking for the best player on the field a lot of times when i'm I'm doing these prize picks i think shipley is the best player on the field for clemson for sure whenever they're out there on offense yeah for sure i'll i'll add I'm looking at my projections again. 78.3 yards for Shipley. For Shipley. And, but that there feels, we go. Man. Yeah, so that's over. But it feels conservative to me. I wrote it in the article that's coming out whenever whenever the uh, editor decides to to hit it and <laughs> submit it, you know? But yeah, I say, like, I think that's, like, a fairly conservative number. I feel like Clemson has not been challenged and they are just saving legs on Shipley. Shipley was Let me used say this. way. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I think I feel like he was used more aggressively, just more in general last year, and because of that, he had great numbers. He's a great player. He's a young guy. 
Um, I mean, they they leaned on him a decent bit as a, I believe, right, true freshman last year. So, yeah, he's a sophomore this year. Yeah. So, I mean, that I have him at thirty nine percent of carries, which puts him at fifteen. That guy is yeah. really good, and if this game stays tight. He's not going to just get like right now. He's getting like a crazy low number, like twenty-five to thirty-two yeah. percent of carries, something like that. Like yeah. that ain't that's not happening. Like if this game is tight, they're not putting in Kobe Pace, right? Like they're not putting yeah. in Phil Maffa. They're putting in Will Shipley, right? So yep. I think that yeah. seventy-eight number, right, is what you need. And I think yeah. that's uh, I like that number. I, I wrote that that's a really good tournament play just because of what they might need to just lean on him with against Wake Forest. Yeah, yeah I will say that uh, when I was checking out the, this, the, the data beforehand, um, I looked at his uh, usage and it was, it was that low, you know, 34% around there in terms of what, what type of volume he's getting, the amount of carries mm-hmm. he's getting. But the, uh, the production that he's getting is where I'm basing that 45 and a half number off of. So, I mean, he's definitely making better use of those carries that he's getting than the competition. And so I think with that, I think that is where we expect. We don't expect it to stay static throughout the year. We expect that number to climb a little bit as they get into some tougher competition. So uh, I I do think that, you know, we will see an uptick in Chipley's usage as the season goes on. Whether or not we see it right out of the gate in ACC play with Wake Forest is another story, but I like it. I'm I'm – Pretty confident in that one. Gotcha. All right, guys. So that was our campus picks for price picks. So please, uh, you know, can use either of these. There's a couple of still good lines that are out there. So kind of scavenge the prize picks. If you haven't signed up already, go check out that promo code uh, at C2C and uh, join us in some fun. Uh, we always are posting some ideas. We even have a, a you know price pick spot there for NIL. So if you're talking to us in there, we'll be glad to help you out with an either or, or just to kind of give you a heads up like, hey, that's a good play or I would hold off on that, or it's too right. It's too great value, and it's time to move on to a different pick. So definitely go check that out. But now we're going to bank on them. And, of course, this is presented by Giraffe Kings. And so we have our DK lineups going on. This is where I have to embrace the yucky, and that is looking at my bitter rival, one that I make fun of every single year and say there are no competition, there's no rivalry there, but yet they're making some noise. And the one I want to bring up, because we all have him, is Mr. Riley Leonard there at a Duke University. Uh one, I love this game matchup, uh, the KU versus Duke game. It's usually a battle uh, that you want to see in basketball, but now you're actually wanting to see in football because both teams are doing a fantastic job and definitely made a big difference between the past year, so they're definitely on the rise as well. Uh, I So it looks like a lot of us decided to either go Riley Leonard naked or they you know did one go along with it. It looks like both of you guys, at least in your two lineups, went naked. Why did you choose Leonard with a no stack versus you know something where I did it where I wanted to throw in Calhoun and, and Coleman? What was your thought process there? I, I mean I like Calhoun. Um and he projects decently there. What is his price? Sixty one hundred. That's not awful. Um no. he gets about sixty percent of the targets for most of the time. So Yeah, I just I think that he's just he's pretty cheap. And I'm sorry, uh, Leonard is pretty cheap. And I just think that in terms of production, I, th- I see a lot of his value coming potentially on the ground. So I don't, I mean, I know he's put up some pretty big performances throwing, but I just don't see that as like a real thing. Like just watching him play, I don't see him as like a true passer. So I'm not against stacking him by any means. 
And that might be a situation where I say, hey, if I'm using Calhoun, I'm 100% going to play Leonard. And I yeah. think that makes a lot of sense. Um, but I just yeah. think he's just got a lot of value on the ground. You know, I think this whole, um, you'll look at my lineup, right? Like Dugan, same thing. Bo Nix, uh, Jalen Daniels. There's a lot of quarterbacks on this slate. JJ McCarthy, where I don't want a receiver necessarily, right? There's a lot of value yeah. in their running game that uh, makes it worth it where you don't want to stack it. So it's not a, it's not a Leonard thing. It's just more of a, a strategy stylistic thing. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For me, I, I was really focused on that, uh, that SMU TCU game. So I didn't feel like a, uh, a stack with Calhoun uh, really would have made any difference for me. I wanted to get some of the pressier options elsewhere, uh, but I did like running it back with Devin Neal to try and get a little bit more exposure uh, to that game. Um, again, I, I am big, especially in tournaments. You see Bo Nix, you see Jalen Daniels have these big multi-touchdown, multi-rushing touchdown performances, pivoting and going and, and trying to get some equity and some exposure leverage with uh, with their running backs this week with Devin Neal. I mentioned Cardwell earlier. I think that's the way to play it uh, coming off of those, those big uh, blow-up spots that those two guys came off of. Yeah, I definitely wanted to run it back with Neil, especially in the Duke game, just because of the matchup. Just too tasty to go along with it. Um, I did play one of my cheaper plays was Kobe Pesor. I, I you know, have been getting word that Downs is very much uh, capable of probably playing this week, so he'll probably make his return. And there's also talk of Antoine Green actually returning for uh, Carolina as well. So the Pesor play may not be something, you know, if you're looking at this lineup here on YouTube or whatever. Pesor is for now, but if you see Josh Downs comes in, Pesor is the guy that takes over for Downs in that slot position. So Pesor would kind of be a guy that you'd only kind of look at in CFF Dynasty purposes to kind of stash away as Downs, you know, will probably graduate or, you know, head over to the NFL. Uh, so this is a kind of for now type situation. Uh, but I did pair him with that. If not, there's a lot of great uh, smaller and cheaper options that are out there, especially for the 4,100. I've seen some down in 3,000 that I really liked as well. The one I wanted to focus on, it was uh, – the Cincy game. I'm not a big Ben Bryant fan, but after seeing IU versus uh, Western Kentucky last week, I've noticed that that's uh, Indiana's pretty much playing shootout for their life most of the times. And I know it's the Big Ten and it's different for them. Uh, and they have a lot of cool uh, guys that actually transfer from Carolina. So an Embry Simmons and, you know, Josh Henderson that's doing really well over for Indiana. But they're finding themselves in matchups to where they're having to go offensive play for offensive play. So I was very intrigued, especially by Scott, the receiver. He's been doing some really great numbers. They will go up against a very uh, easy defense and, and passing when it, uh, Indiana. I was very intrigued by that. So I wanted to stack Bryant with Scott just to be very contrarian and just to be different from the pact. Um, so I went that route. And then, of course, I just did Singleton for Chalk. Uh, when Singleton, he's now, I feel like he's starting to pull away. I think that uh, you're still going to say Catron there. Uh, like I was telling him, uh, telling me and Jared, me and Jared still think Catron's going to be in the mix. But I still think Singleton is slowly but surely. We were hoping for an Henderson type situation, but he is pulling away a little bit. And he's going against the Central Michigan. So this is a more of a, you know, smash on him type situation. So I want to go ahead and push Singleton out there as the chalk play. And, of course, I stacked uh, Jonah Coleman to go with my my Duke stacks. So I went with three there. Um, I'm really intrigued, Ethan, by yours, especially the TCU side of things. I know it's a tougher matchup, per se, at least on paper. Uh, and you do have Johnston in there, and he has been struggling recently. What was your thought process in taking Hudson Johnston and kind of stacking it there versus SMU? Yeah, so uh, I told both you guys in the, uh, the Slack earlier this week before the slate dropped that 
this was the game that I was praying that DraftKings would, would include. I know in the past they skipped over it before. Um, they skip over SMU a lot last year, I feel like. Um, but we get this one. We get this one. I think it's a – last time I looked, 69.5 uh, point total uh, that they're expecting on this one. Um, you know, I made this lineup before I heard that um, uh, that Chandler Morris was out. Uh, so uh, Dugan's going to be getting his full uh, quarterback role. Um, if I had known that, I may have made some different decisions and uh, looked to do a full game sack uh, with him at the quarterback spot. Um, but knowing what I knew, I went and I uh, stacked uh, Rice and Mordecai. That seemed like a no-brainer. Um, I know Mordecai's on a little bit of a short leash from the rumors that are, are circulating. That seems crazy to me, but, you know, uh, Preston Stone is uh, the, the legacy there, and he's the guy that they want to get uh, reps. So maybe, you know, just some motivation going into a, uh, an, a rivalry week. We, we got what the battle for the Iron Skillet, I believe, is the, uh, the TCU-SMU uh, rivalry there. Um, so big, uh, big ramifications for the season. Um, I did go with Quentin Johnston. Um, I heard Chris besmirch his name on the, uh, <laughs> the campus life this weekend. Uh, I am still a Johnston believer. Uh, I can, sh- I can write his, his first two performances off with a very quick, uh, a very quick, quick write-off there with the quarterback competition causing some inconsistencies, quarterbacks not in rhythm. Then combine that with week two against uh, Tarleton State. Tarleton State, the weirdest usage for Quentin Johnston. He got the first three targets in that game, back to back to back, and then they never returned to him. It wasn't a situation where he didn't play after that. He was in there for, you know, I want to say 27 snaps. So he was in there for, for the early going once they got it under control. Um, Jordan Hudson, though, $3,000, he quietly got five receptions or yeah, five targets in that Tarleton state game. And none of those targets were in garbage time. They were all in the first three quarters. So I think that Hudson is a, a sneaky play. Um, there may have been some correlation with the fact that Johnston wasn't in there. So Hudson got some of that target share once he was out, um, but I think that's something something to consider for such a cheap play, three thousand dollar receiver in a sixty nine and a half seventy point game. Uh, always something you want to consider there. Um, but I am this is a game I'm most looking forward to this weekend. There's definitely some letdown potential. TCU showed that when they came out against Colorado in in week one. Um, but I I think they get up for it. You know, Sunny Dykes returning to uh, crossing the Metroplex here and here in Dallas. Uh, it's it's going to be an exciting game. I think it's going to be a great atmosphere. And I think both of these teams are going to show up and, and really uh, just dog on each other. Do um, Have you heard the theory of uh, – because these two teams are so closely connected that one of these quarterbacks was at least rumored to possibly try to transfer to the other one, right? It didn't happen. Oh, yeah. One of them stayed. So now all of a sudden this short leash thing starts happening, right? But then they're playing yeah. Sonny Dyke's team, right? So it's like, are they just are they uh, trying out for a possible late transfer for TCU later in the thing, or do you read into Man, those theories feels... there on the on the Reddit pages of CFB, or do you just avoid it's, all those yeah. low costs? It feels like they're priming things for a switch with Mordecai. 
if Mordecai was going to have a bad game, the narrative assumption there is that it's going to be against Sonny Dykes, who knows how to exploit his weaknesses because he, yep. he has that relationship with him. Um, I don't necessarily buy into that. I, I think Mordecai is a phenomenal quarterback. I think many a program, including TCU, would love to have a guy like Mordecai under center. Um, and I think, I think he's going to show up. I, you know, I question that TCU defense uh, ever since Patterson is gone. It's not the same attacking defense um, that they've had in the past. Uh, so I, I really think that uh, SMU is going to be able to set the tone. I believe TCU is favored by a point, um, but I, I really think SMU is going to show up. They played admirably against Maryland last week, almost came away with a win there, but you know they, uh, they're pointing the finger at Mordecai for why they lost, so who knows what's going on. They don't, yeah. they, I can't, I'm so annoyed by people that people, I'm sorry, not you, not Nate. And the I mean, you people. Like, <laughs> they're the people that originate this rumor that like Tanner Mordecai is, is like in trouble. His job is so close to being lost. Like he's, I would put whatever Preston Stone does in his career will not be anywhere near what Tanner Mordecai has done. It's so annoying to hear this stuff about. You know, like the people that originate this rumor, not you, Ethan, not Nate from our team as well. You're just like you're doing your best, right? Like we are doing our best to talk about what people are talking about, because that's a lot of what happens is like, okay, well, this person is upset about this. Thus, this happens. That's completely legitimate. But it makes no sense. The guy has been very good in his career, like pressing stones of nothing. He didn't win the job in the offseason. Like, but one average game against Maryland on the wasn't it on the road too? Like, not like yeah. nerd, not yeah. like at Maryland, anything to, to scoff at. But it just it makes me so annoyed with college fantasy football when that is talked about like that because it's I so ridiculous. One one thing that intrigues me is the timing of this rumor because we're yeah. week four is pivotal in college football landscape now, because once you play four games, you can't, you can't redshirt. So if they were to make the switch, this is the most like insidious, like coaching mindset of let's hold him. Let's play him for his fourth game. And then let's make the switch because then he can't transfer out and we have our backup locked in for the rest of the year. So, I mean, that kind of stuff is, is super slimy, super, super sneaky. I don't like it. Uh, but, I, I mean, we can't ignore the fact that stuff like that happens in college football. I'm looking at you, Lincoln Riley. Yeah, Lincoln Riley. Quit being that guy. What are you doing to brew, man? That was mean. Uh, I know Chris, no, he'll go on an hour rant, so we'll, we won't get into the brew stuff. Uh, but shout out to Gary Bryant for uh, sitting it out and – possibly getting out of there uh we hope that you can play before week two um so i want to talk about uh some of these flexes so both of you have rasheed rice and that makes sense with mordecai was it because it's 8600 so it's a pretty decent price on for it but it seems like he's your guys's chalk do you think he's just easily going to be worth the value or do you think he goes above it he's doing well with fantasy points per game he does run against tcu which is i wouldn't say their toughest opponent to date but i think a, an admirable adversary and a rival for sure uh, was that the, kind of the process? You think he's just going to ball out on, on TCU and so he was the right play? I mean, I think it's just a high total, high game total. 
he's getting like 36% of targets or something like that. Um, yeah. He's produced like 33 fantasy points or more, right? Like there's a lot of variables that go into play. Like, are you getting thrown at a lot? Yes. Are you producing with those? Yes. Are you supposed to score a lot? Yes. Like, and this is an offense that even if Bo Corrales comes back, which Ethan had discussed in our Slack earlier today, like it's not going to impede whatever Rasheed Rice does, right? Like there's not really a second receiver for SMU. So I just think he's about as surefire thing as it gets. I think yeah. uh, I, I've got Xavier Hutchinson in here. I think those two are about as safe as it gets in terms of uh, receivers. But Rice has all the upside in the world where Hutchinson has a way tougher matchup. Um, And so things are a little bit different there. But I love both of them. But I think Rice, all those things combined, just make Rice like a play that's as good as possible anywhere up until 9,000. And he's not, obviously, at that point yet. So, Yep. Uh, yeah. I saw where uh, you go ahead, Ethan. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, I believe Rasheed Rice is uh, number one in the nation in uh, target uh, targets per game. Um, I know it's him and Tyron Smith are right back and forth, but Smith had that uh, extra week zero game. So I'm pretty sure he's number one in the nation in targets. So we look for that. Jake Bailey did come back last week. Uh, he put up five or six uh, targets as well. So Corral is coming. I mean, yeah, it's it's still a smash spot for Rice and a, a high total game. It just sounds like it's just a battle to see who's going to pretty much be wide receiver too. And Rice is kind of far and away the the main guy as well. Uh, I want to pivot over to uh, Edwards because Chris, you're the uh, Michigan guy. Have you heard word that uh, Edwards is a return to the lineup and uh, for the great price for five thousand? That's a sweet steal if he's playing. I mean, that just seemed like a it just screams a situation where we're playing UConn. Edwards is back, you know, banged up a little bit. Let's just because nobody's really heard about an official injury, right? It's just more like at a certain point last week we heard, yeah, he's banged up a little bit, and there's concern he might not play. But then it was like, okay, well, of course he's not going to play. He's they're playing UConn, they're going to win by fifty. So he didn't play, in my opinion, just because they knew they didn't need him, right? So I think he's a great option. It doesn't matter who's the quarterback. Um, and they're the game is supposed to be tight, it's like a 17 point favorite. Uh, Michigan's a 17 point favorite, so this is about as good as it gets, right? Like, a lot of what you're looking for in a Michigan running back is a game where the game is close, but it's not too close, you know? Like, you don't want um, Wisconsin close where it's like total of 49 and the spread seven, right? You want Maryland (laughs) where it's the total is probably what 62 and the spread. I know at least yesterday yeah. was 17, right? Like that's what you want where they're not sitting guys. Um, they're not going to want to like overpower quorum and just go 25 carries on him. That's never going to happen. The same for Edwards, but both of them are very good and a very good offense against a going to be overmatched defense. So I love both of them. And, and Edwards is great out of the backfield in terms of reception. So I love him as an option, big time. Yeah, I want to. I want to say that this game was tied for fourth uh, highest game total on the slate, um, mm-hmm. at least when when the slate opened up. So, um, definitely looking for ways to get exposure to a game like that, and 
Edwards is a great opportunity. You also got to think with Corm going off the way he does that, they're maybe looking to maybe, I wouldn't say rest Corm pretty much because Corm can handle his own, but you think with Edwards back in the lineup, they probably slow Corm down just a little bit, right? Or do you think it's just full steam ahead when it comes to the run game? Well, Corm's been hurt. I mean, he got hurt last year, and I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if we're positive. I thought I remember he got hurt during the uh, COVID year. Um, so, you know, it can't hurt, right? Like you're not like Maryland, Maryland, I'm trying to like phrase this without jinxing Michigan, right? Like Maryland's <laughs> not really like, it's possible. It's possible for Maryland to beat Michigan, but the ways that that happened are not because Corum gets 18 touches instead of 22, right? Like, so yeah. I think they're totally – this is a 1A, 1B situation. You know, this is a, a Haskins-Corum situation last year where one gets 18 carries, the other gets 16. You know, like this yeah. is what I would uh, call like a Zach Evans, Quinshot Judkins type situation. Um, yeah. So I just think both of them are getting good usage. Uh, and Edwards is just significantly cheaper than Corum. Also, the BTR crew has a history with the Maryland uh, faithful, so you had to tread lightly on that response, didn't you, Kay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how's that, how's that going for Maryland receivers, by the way? We got trashed on for calling yeah. Maryland not a top 10 receiver um, group. Do we have enough time on the show to go through? They just have scored so much. I don't know if we have enough time to go through every single time they've scored as a receiving group, right? I think I think we should clear it with Barnabas first since he's the resident Maryland guy and see. I mean, or just have gotta, K, yeah. K and Barnabas debate. That would be great for, for a tailgate special. <laughs> Put some uh, respect on Jacob Copeland's name, guys. Come on, Yeah, man. Copeland's yeah. I mean, good, man. <laughs> We didn't include LSU either. How's LSU's receiver group doing too? You know, LSU fans got on us, you know? So it's like – I think that's a coach issue. Get out of here. Get out of here. All right. So let's talk about – I see you got Ollie from Washington State. I'm very intrigued by that pick. Was it uh, the targeting, like his projection that it came out for you? What was it about Ollie from Washington State versus some of the other guys off the team that you picked for your uh, wide receiver spot? I mean, he's just he's just getting a lot of usage, right? Ten targets right. a game, thirty percent of targets as a team, two touchdowns. You know, I think I don't think Cameron Ward's any good. Shocker, I've said that all off season. <laughs> you have, um, but he's only going to get better, right? Like he's like theoretically speaking, and Oregon's not unstoppable. BYU had a good game passing it, you know, passing attack wise. So. You know, I mean, as a basically a number one receiver for a team that's, that wants to throw it against a team, Oregon, that hasn't, you know, that hasn't proven to be a great defensive passing defense. Why not? 3,500, 10 targets? Like, are you taking, are you not taking 10 targets against, against anyone at that rate, right? For 3,500? That feels like oh, a great sure. move. Yeah, I gotta so say this is a great entry for my my thirty five hundred pivot there because I'm not taking that at thirty five hundred. Yeah, let's talk. I went, I went off the board there. I was gonna I say Dylan, you went, right? I was gonna say this isn't Dante right, right? This is Dylan right? This is this okay. Is Dylan, just making right? sure this, this is, wasn't uh, the Colorado State receiver showing up in Minnesota. That'd have been crazy. Yeah, no, he's transferring, but he's not out out of there yet. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Dylan Wright, had to make sure. Dylan Wright comes in with uh, he got the biggest upkick 
once Cam uh, Altman Bell went down last week. So Altman yeah. Bell is out for the season. Um, Michigan State has just gotten boat raced. Uh, all back last year, all through last year, we saw Washington, Michael Penix Jr. throwing it around the yard on them. I think Minnesota is going to have to throw the ball to keep up with Michigan State this week. And I don't think they have many great opportunity or great options outside of Dylan Wright. I know they've got Span Ford, their tight end over there. Um, I want to say they've got another uh, flyer who's been been a, a little bit of C2C hype every now and then. But Dylan Wright was the guy who got the big uptick last week. And I think that he's a great low ownership uh, target here. Um, if it were cash game, totally think Ollie's target share is easily the way to go. Um, but just looking for a little bit of leverage there, I think Wright could have a blow up spot. You know, see a, a touchdown and 80 yards, 90 yards at 3,500. That's that's a smash. So, yep. Yeah, my problem there is it's still Minnesota, right? Like, we're still talking Tanner Morgan, um, yep. at quarterback. Like, I get the matchup in like Michigan State's given up a bunch of yards through the air, especially last week on the road against Washington. But like, Dylan Wright, Dylan Wright has eight total targets on the season. And like even like my Alvin, Alvin Bell's got 15 on the season. So like yeah. they're just not really a lot of them were like, you know, blowouts or close to it. Like and I hundred percent get it, right? The question is really like who's gonna be the receiver one for Minnesota? Is it gonna be right? Is it gonna be Brown Stevens? Is it like is the guy you're gonna be wanting a different hyphenated guy span forward? Yeah. You know, like so that's the question is like which one like if you know who it's going to be, that's a great thing, right? Because I think we'd all be in on Chris Alton Bell at 3,500. I just think there's a little right. a little risk in which one that actually is. Because I don't think it's as definitive so, as we think. Yeah. I, that's that's totally fair. The, the picking the right receiver there is going to be a little bit of whack-a-mole, whack-a-gopher there. Um, but <laughs> with uh, – with Tanner Morgan, he had his best year when Kirk Shiraka was there. Shiraka's back as offensive coordinator again this year. Um, so I, I think that Tanner Morgan is comfortable enough with the scheme and with the play calling uh, that Shiraka brings to the table that he can have a good game in a, a matchup like this. Um, but you're right. The, the actually pinning down the right receiver is the struggle, but to an extent, I think we play that with a lot of teams on on slates like this. Um, if you're looking at a 3,500 option, um, anytime they have even a shot at being the number one receiver in an offense, you you gravitate towards those plays. Yeah, you got to take the shot as well. Uh, let's pivot to some of the running back plays here. Uh, we'll go with you first, Ethan. Got Tank Bigsby there going up against Missouri. What was your thought process? You're thinking for 6,000, he probably makes his value, if not more. Easily was that the thought process there going against Mizzou? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking at those mid range running backs again this week. Uh, Neil and Bigsby uh, were my two options there. I think Bigsby um, getting that that Mizzou uh, defensive matchup. Um, we know what Mizzou allowed last year. They've made some adjustments. They're better than they were last year. Um, but Bigsby is still a talented running back, and we saw last week he's really him and, and Jerquez Hunter are really the only two options they have to try and move the ball. Yeah. Um, so I'm expecting heavy usage for Bigsby. Um, 
I think that he has the opportunity for a multi-touchdown game. And at that price, you know, if he falls into the end zone twice, that's when we start to see uh, our value cashing there. My, my good friend, Andrew P. Katz at Burning the Red Shirt, likes this theory that like a good tournament style is you pick a great offense in a game that's got like a super low total, like a game again. Yeah. You know, well, like in, I'm not going to say this is it. Right. But like a good example would be maybe in a sense, Kent state against Georgia, right? Kent state is this amazing offense, right? They got a bunch of high flying offense, uh, offensive players. They like to run fast. They like to put a lot of plays down. Right. This is a bad example in a sense because it's Georgia, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you get the idea, right? Georgia is going to stop yeah. them in theory. And they're because of this defensive matchup and this low total that they have, you're going to get low ownership. On a team like uh, Schley and Cephas and Cooper, these guys on Kent State really shouldn't be this low owned, generally speaking. The reason why I say that is, Tank Bigsby is a really good running back, but he's got an awful team right now. Uh, I think Ashford, the quarterback that should be starter now that Finley is not available this week, is a very good quarterback. He's very versatile. Uh, sorry, I'm sorry. He's a very good like fantasy quarterback, and that like he runs a lot. He's very uh, <laughs> yeah. agile. He runs fast, right? Like he's not the best of throwers, but like he can run it really well, and I think that helps Tank. And I think like Missouri's not the best matchup. Vegas agrees. They're a touchdown favorite over Missouri last time I checked, right? So. I think that's a that that'll be a low on option. I don't, I don't think a lot of people are going to be on tank this week after last week, and sometimes that's yeah. a great thing, right? You play off of of last week's performance, which means absolutely nothing in comparison to this week's performance. Yeah, I will say too on that uh, performance last week. I think Joe Coy's Hunter got one of the touchdowns uh, in in last week's performance. Um, I say one of the touchdowns. I think that was the only touchdown that Auburn scored um, was to Hunter. Uh, so, I mean, if you if you if, if you give Tank that touchdown and say that it was a, a he was in the game instead of Hunter in that situation, you know, maybe people are looking at it a little, a little bit differently. Um, but yeah, I I'm not scared of the Missouri defense, so I'm I'm hoping for a little bit of a bounce back spot for sure. Yeah. This is must have, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say this is must win, right? Like as much as like Auburn is what three and one, like you think, Oh, three yeah. and one, you know, Harkson's not in must win mode, but they've played nobody. Right. And they barely 100%. beat San Jose State. <laughs> yeah. uh, they looked awful against Penn State. And that's not to say that like you could, Harston's job wasn't on the line if they lost to Penn State, right? Like, it's because they look so horrible against Penn State. And Penn State's a good team. Yep. But Penn State's not – a competitive Auburn team does not lose 41-13 to 13 or whatever to, to Penn State. And that's not a knock on Penn no, State. No, they lose like even. they lost last year. <laughs> right. They lose by three. They yeah. lose by seven, right? Like, they lose in the yeah, final no. four minutes, right? Like, all of that is fine. It's not great. We don't love it as Auburn fans, but it's fine. But Harson has especially got, at home, man. Yeah. Especially at home, that place was rocking. I'm sure you have to win this game. You go to the well with your big guys. I mean, if there's ever a game to give a player 20 touches 
it's this one. So especially with a young quarterback, right? Like what do you do with the young quarterback? You give it to old faithful. You give it to your, your tried and true veteran players. There a lot of things line up for tank. The price too is a little aggressive for what I would like. And I think that helps in tournaments because that should drive ownership down, right? Like Mm -hmm. I don't want to play a guy that's high upside, but high risk at 4,000. I want him to be like 6,000 because I want people to not be on him at all. Especially when Singleton's so close there. I I, I like the Singleton play, Brandon, but uh, I agree that I think that Katron Allen is going to be a bigger thorn in people's side than anyone wants to admit right now. Uh, Singleton's getting all of the hype from the media, like all of the hype. Yeah, he did really good last week. Allen was the first, the first guy who really got things moving for Penn State last week. Katron was in the game. I'm, I'm not 100. percent He he got significant work early in the game, though. Um, I know Kevon Lee uh, looked like he was a little banged up. Yeah, um, so I think that. Yeah, I think Kevon Lee, especially against Central Michigan, this seems like a spot. You know say what you will about Franklin, but he's going to try and do right by the, the seniors and the leadership on that team. This feels like a spot where Kevon Lee could get 12 touches in this game. Um, and then we see an even distribution all the way down the, the chain. The The great thing about Singleton and what makes him a great play always on DFS, he can take you to the house and he didn't play. Um, I was worried going into the Auburn game that he was a little too reliant on his speed and his athleticism. Because when you play Ohio, you can outrun those guys. He's got a just a great talent gap over them. Um, but to see him do it against Auburn was exciting and a little bit jarring, and I, I love it. Full steam ahead. Yeah. It was just good to see what we saw on film and, you know, what we saw at a high school progress, and now he's going up yeah. against very favorable, you know, teams and still getting it done. Had it, uh, you know, get to the edge faster than the rest of the defenders, and we're, we're talking, you know, SEC defenders. So that's that's hard to do. It really is. I meant, yeah. Uh, and like you're saying, with uh, just to pivot back to Bixby, uh, like Missouri is only like a year removed from being the worst team as defensively on running. Like everyone ran on Missouri. It was a common fact. Like my CFF matchups, I looked to see who Mizzou was playing in DFS last year, and literally would just take the running backs and stack them against Missouri. So yeah, they're a little bit more improved this year. looks like, you know, they've made some adjustments, especially with recruiting and things like that as well, but we're only a year removed from it. So I still think Bixby can still have that capability. Him and Hunter, I think, like I said, the only two weapons there as well. Uh, Let's move to Bijan. So I'm thinking, Chris, you're doing it. Hey, 30.1 fantasy points per game, 8,300. He's just chalk all the way. Is that was the thing process against Texas Tech? I mean, he's just very, very good, right? Uh, Like Bijan, yeah, he's got his own muscle. I mean, he's crazy good. I was looking at it. NC State guys, Jordan Houston and Sumo Shark, Demi. uh, They're both good running backs. Nothing. I don't consider them to be like. Bijan level by any means and they ran for like 110 in a touchdown so like to me that is the absolute floor and it's a little aggressive on pricing but this yeah. feels like a no-brainer right like you have a backup quarterback with a bad ankle not really a backup option which should come into play right like if you're Texas if you're Sarkeesian you don't want to you don't want to put your your quarterback at risk, right? So if you're at the goal line, what are you going to do? You're not you're not doing bootlegs. You're not doing rollouts. You're just going to give it to Bijan and see what happens. 
Um, so I love Bijan in this matchup. I th- I mean, he's coming off a 40-point game, right? Like, yeah, he's great out of the – I mean, he's one of the rare running backs that can get 100 yards receiving as well as 100 yards uh, rushing in the game. Um, I, mean, I think there's enough value in the slate, especially at quarterback, to warrant a guy yeah. like Rasheed Rice and Bijan, which is not necessarily the case every single week. So let's say this is one of the weeks that I've seen you take a couple of the higher price ones in a, you know, it looks like it's just matchup based and just what's the capability there. Uh, one last thing. I saw that you did the run back with Jared Bradley. I'm assuming it's because you're still on Bradley. Like I said, even the week before uh, against NC state, he uh, lost a, you know, what would have been a touchdown in the sun, unfortunately, but Bradley was very much targeted in that game uh, against Houston. And then, uh, NC State's got a good defense. They'll be one of those uh, teams that'll be a little bit harder to, you know, to pass on, especially in the ACC. Not saying Clemson level, but they're pretty good. Um, so, are you still saying you, you know, you're on Bradley and you're not really looking at that narrative where he's fallen off, uh, especially with Miles Price still kind of figuring stuff out there? What, what is your process with Bradley this week? I mean, NC State's just a great defense on the yeah. road. That was a great atmosphere for NC State. At the end of the day. Like, this is still a pass-first offense, right? Like, what are Sir Roderick Thompson and Taj Brooks, what are they actually doing in the running game? And it's nothing, right? So, I don't care who the quarterback is. I think they're all about the same. Um, I I would prefer Shuck, honestly. Yeah, which I is something weird. Soon, yep. Yeah, which is weird to think about. Um, coming into, like, season, what, you know, how some thought of his actual talents. But... He's gonna get he's gonna get targets seven eight nine targets. Uh, there's potential for this to be a high scoring game, right? Just because Bama yeah, Texas absolutely. wasn't a high scoring game doesn't mean this is gonna be yeah, it's a low scoring game. game. Um, and I think he's a great cheap run back. I don't. I also think like you know Donovan Ali. I like him theoretically speaking. I can understand why people don't like him. Uh, there's just not a ton of cheap options at receiver or at all in terms of like that three, four K range. And I think Bradley's probably one of the best in that range. Um, So, you know, I, it would be great if Donovan Smith didn't, didn't throw the most ridiculous passes to defenders, but right at the end, at least that means it's going to be a great game script. Right. (laughs) So yeah, huge opportunity ceiling for Bradley. I think, I think that this game has really sneaky shootout potential. Uh, mm. Things always get weird out in Lubbock when the Longhorns come to town. Oh, yeah. You know, I – the more I think about it, the more I really like a game stack here. Uh, I mean, we're, you're hoping for a shootout with Bijan in there. I mean, the, the way that Bijan – you get the most out of Bijan, I think, is, you know, a close game where they keep him in and, and don't pivot to Roshan Johnson. Uh, you were talking about they don't have any other options down by the goal line. And I always think of it as well, Johnson Wildcat. Yeah, that, that <laughs> well, one is yeah, scary Rashawn. for sure, right? But that's always an option. So we basically Absolutely. go from three, you know, two alternative options to one. You're not, you're, I, I yeah. was talking that and I, in my head, I'm thinking, damn it, Roshan, like, can you just, <laughs> yeah. can you just, just not... graduate and go sell insurance or something, please? Yeah, man. Like, come on now. Did somebody, somebody ask in the Slack if he might come back for another season? And I'm thinking, oh, God, no. Please, please no. Stop. <laughs> let Jen... dreams for another year. Yes, let Blue do his yeah. thing next year. Come on, man. <laughs> 
but yeah, I think I think those are great play. Honestly, uh, instead of Pesor, you know, that's a great pivot to go Bradley at four thousand to stay in that range, kind of pop him in there. So if Downs does make his appearance, I think that might be the play for me too. I, I definitely like Bradley. He's still been in my lineups there, and I kept him in Dynasty, and I'm glad that I did. I'm hoping that he, you know, he still kind of does his thing and has his comeback game this week because the week one he destroyed. It was it was amazing to see. I think he dropped, gosh, what twenty something fantasy points if not more. So he did a really good job. Um, so I'm excited for Bradley. I think he's a good play, and people shouldn't just go off the narrative that he's had two bad weeks and he's done. So kind of keep that in mind to go along with it. All right, before we uh, wrap up, since we didn't have a guest, uh, since we're at week four, we're kind of a quarter of the way through, I just wanted to kind of bring up just some observations that you've seen, uh, you know, playing the slate and things like that. What's been some of the things like you would have a takeaway for the audience of, uh, or maybe a tip that you'd kind of give somebody when playing DK, maybe prize picks or something like that. What's something that you've seen in the past, you know, three weeks, four with week zero? Uh, Chris, you want to start us off? Yeah, sure. I would just think this is coming completely unprepared, by the way. So you get to just now. You're welcome. This is a yeah, BTR type feel right yeah, now. This shout out, just, shout out yeah. to Zach and, uh, and Andrew. Except, except it's a real question. So it's, I have to really figure it out. <laughs> but uh, I would, one thing I'm trying to figure out right now for myself is I'm playing obviously every single slate and I'm trying to play as much as possible, right? Like I'm trying to enter all the tournaments and the low entry stuff and max center stuff. And it's like, okay, what is actually beneficial for me to join like should i join five times in this 15 and you know 15 tournament where you can enter 150 times right that type of thing where it's like i'm trying to figure out game theory and what i would come away with this what i'm trying to figure out and trying to determine is like can i spend an extra little bit to focus in on a couple three-man entry type stuff right where I can focus in on three lineups I really like that differentiate a little bit from each other, but then give me a great opportunity to win. I'm not here. Like I'd love to win the 50,000 right each Saturday, but that that's just not likely. Right. Like, and that's not my best ROI. I'd much rather, I think at this point, try to focus in on winning that thousand or 2000 a Saturday on an entry. So my tip would be, if you're trying to play, think about what you're actually trying to do, right? Like if you're trying to win 50 K then go for it. Right. But also build your lineup the right way. If you're just trying to win and and the $2,000 is awesome, which by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. I'd love to win 2000. Hence why I'm doing what I'm doing. (laughs) Then build your lineup and, and enter the games that way as well. Right. So for me, I think coming into this week, I have a wedding on Saturday, so it's a little bit easier to say this, but like I'm going to go into the Saturday and I'm going to, I'm going to do my normal small entry stuff. And then I'm going to enter maybe a couple three man entry stuff where, I, where the prize pool isn't 50 K it's a thousand or it's 750 for first right. place. So that's just something to think about, right? Like if you want to shoot for the stars and try to win 50 K go for it, but also keep in mind that's like, that's so low percentage shot. Right. And there's nothing wrong with winning 2000. That's all. Yeah. Ethan, I wanted to shoot it to you uh, next. I know we talked a lot about um, single entries and mainly uh, the different slates and how uh, we're, I'm particularly finding a lot more success in like the night slate or maybe you're looking at a particular yeah. showdown and late night slate. Um, but you're also you and Chris are both doing mini maxes, you know, and stuff like that. What's been your yeah. uh, what's been your more success rate at just, you know, full transparency between mini max versus, say, a particular slate yeah. of the day? So. 
for sure. So uh, just to reiterate what Chris said, everybody stay away from the three-man contest because Chris is coming after you. Mr. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> so just stop. Heads, heads up there. Uh, no. Um, you know, I, this this DFS season so far has been um, the most dialed in. I've been to the game and to salaries and really trying to come up with my own projections, things like that, I, that I've never done in previous seasons, you know, I've, I've relied pretty heavily on, on the work of others. Um, the thing that I've noticed is you've really got to trust what you're doing and the work that you're doing. Um, for example, I've, you know, been playing the mini max on pretty much every slate that they have it and maxing out those 150 lineups got slaughtered on Friday night with the uh, the Tyon Evans news. I was so ready for Tyon Evans to explode. Saw that he was uh, dressed in pregame. Said, oh, man, we're good to go. And then, you know, three minutes into the broadcast, I hear that he's out for the night and he's in street clothes now. Yeah, we were tilting uh, hard. Oh, yeah. It, it was, you know, it's a, it's a shitty feeling. But that being said, you know, bouncing back and – trusting that you know the work that you put in is going to pay dividends you know fast forward to saturday night after jumping in uh, i had a little bit of reduced volume in the morning i had some obligations we, we went and visited some family on friday uh but then came back full volume um later in the day and noticed two things first had some of my best results on the entire season with that night slate last week um, hence why I'm running back to, to uh, Mordecai and that SMU offense. Um, but also, the slates that DraftKings posts after the featured slates fill, after the featured contests fill, they have additional smaller, you know, 25 cent dollar dime contests that come out that are, you know, 50, 60 bucks to the winner. Um, that are definitely worth your, worth your time. I was going back and checking. Uh, Fantasy Cruncher has a, a uh, lineup study tool that lets you go back and look at all of the contests and look at uh, the um, minimum threshold to cash as well as what the winning lineups were. And those are just soft, man, especially late slate, last minute slate, or last minute contests on the late slate. You've got so many people chasing losses on the day and just throwing in an impulse entry that if you have lineups already, whether that be by optimizer or by um, careful consideration on hand build, you have such an edge over guys who are tossing 25 cents into a contest. I'd say 15 to 25% of those con- or those entries in contests like that are just throwing money in so that they have a reason to watch the game. And they're like, hey, I won 10 bucks, whatever. So if you, if you have a system that you have been working and if you have the research that you put in and you know who's got the best opportunities and who's the best value on the slate trust that and trust that heavily on those smaller later slates um because you you can find an edge out there for sure um the other thing that i would say is that when you are specifically if you have never tried an optimizer before optimizers especially on those 20 max lineups and those 20 max contests have had the best results in my in my uh personal uh play this year because i think you're getting more 
hand builds in those contests. You're getting people who aren't necessarily looking at um, at exposure as much, and they're just trying to correlate within that one lineup that they're building. Um, so if you use an optimizer and you are pulling out an optimizer for 150 builds, crunch another 20 on there and, and throw that into your 20 um, lineup max uh, entries as well. I think that there's a, an edge to be gained there as well. Uh, I wanted to point out, uh, and my takeaway would probably be the showdowns. Look for the showdowns that you're comfortable with. So for me, what I've had the best success with is the teams that I know best. So, for example, week one, NC State versus ECU. Know the teams very well. You know, they're within an hour, two hours of driving range for me. I know the teams. I know some of the players. And then, of course, I know I know some of the beat writers and stuff like that. So having that edge over people that are just throwing lineups, you know what captain to take. So you could take a C.J. Johnson as the captain versus, say, a Holton Nailers that someone would kind of normally think of. So having that edge and the teams that you're familiar with, especially if they play each other, whether that be Carolina versus Appalachian State, NC State versus ECU, Duke versus Wake Forest. There's a bunch of, you know, and it could be whatever conference that you're adjusted to. I find that the showdown, uh, especially if you can put in the right captain to kind of get you over the edge, the rest of the, the people that you pick just have to have to hit a certain amount of fantasy points and you're already within the money. Uh, you know, I've, I've done really well placing like top 10, you know, a few times in those. Another good one is those late nights, just like Ethan was saying. Uh, guys like San Jose State and USC and all those guys that play, you know, late night games and stuff like that. A lot of them are shootout teams. So if you can just pick the right captain that's going to have the production. Uh, another tip is say, look for the wide receiver, too, because a lot of times they'll be uh, really productive and they'll kind of give you what you need for the captain points. And then you can focus on the big boys. So you can actually place both quarterbacks from different teams in there. You can put in the wide receiver one. You can put in the RB one. So you have a chance to kind of make that happen. So that's kind of my takeaway in the past four weeks is that, uh, you know, I've, I've learned to get away from the cash. You know, you guys have inspired me. I've been really good about, you know, putting in not as much mini max. I still love my single entries. I think that's another takeaway is look for a really good uh, price. Uh, you know, you can get a good chunk of change, like a thousand dollars, 500 bucks, 750, whatever, and play the single entry and, and go for that. Because a lot of times if you're going up against your best lineup versus someone else's best lineup, you have a really good chance there. So single entries and doing these showdowns have been something that's been a good pivot for me this year that I've learned as well. So any last thoughts before we wrap this up, boys? Yeah, the one, the one thing that I jogged my memory what, with what you were saying, Brandon, was uh, if you're doing those single entries, consider playing the third highest total on that game as a, or on that slate as a, a game stack because you're going to get a lot of cash lineups that come out that are primarily looking at getting exposure to all of the games um, and all of the high totals. So if you – you know, if you're able to find that second or third highest uh, expected total on the slate and that game just goes off, you're going to have such a, a great day compared to the people who tried to split their exposure um, across a few different uh, games. Yeah, a lot of single entry stuff is going to be very similar to like someone's cash game lineup, right? Because like <clears throat> a lot of like some of my buddies that play aggressively are they build like what they would call like your optimal lineup, right? Based on the projections that we build. And then they might tweak it just a little bit just to like, make sure they're stacking and stuff like that. So what I would say on top of that is like, right. Like think about ways to pivot. Ethan was saying a pivot option would be don't go for the top game total or second game total, go for the third or fourth. Right. It, especially if there's still significant numbers, um, and I would say also too, right. Just like, think about a way to pivot away from what would be a high ownership. So like, 
I wrote in this main slate article on Saturday that I think people are going to go two cheap quarterbacks or one cheap, one expensive quarterback because there's Bo Nix. There's it's, it's hate. I hate saying it, but like Drew Pine, even against North Carolina, Riley Leonard's cheap. Max Duggan isn't all that expensive. He's although he's more mid tier, I would say. Consider going Daniels and Hooker, right? Consider going McCarthy. Yeah. You know, different yourself, different yourself just a little bit in one way, and it will kind of like do it throughout the whole lineup in a sense. Um, so I wouldn't be afraid to just just tweak it or tinker with it just a little bit with your optimal lineup, just to kind of create some differentiation there. And if you want to see the chalkiest lineups that get sent through, take a look at the $333 entry uh, contest that comes through. Oh, yeah, that's chalk. Man, those sharks, those sharks are playing chalk, chalk, chalk. It's, it's just, just want to hit the money. It's silly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's what happens is it's 1v1s or 2v2s, right? Like, mm-hmm. I have a buddy that plays all that stuff, and literally his entire weekend, in a sense, comes down to literal 1v1s or 2v2s, meaning – yeah what is there eight or nine slots? Right. And you can pretty much guarantee six of them are going to be the same six guys. So it's like, I'm just now picking between these, these two slots, this super flex and this flex spot or something like that. Right. Like that's not uncommon at all. That's 100% dead on. Bijan was a hundred percent owned in that contest on the the, uh, slate last, last Saturday night. So. I just don't see why you wouldn't just go just one v one, just go head to head, and just put it in one of those lineups at that point, and just throw all your money on the table. Like I'm going to get you with that. Uh, but I hope that you guys enjoyed the episode. Uh, Ethan, tell them where they can find you and what the uh, article you got coming out this week, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. You can uh, find me on Twitter at uh, at Ethan Sowers. Um, it's right there if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, it's E T H A N S A U E R S if you're listening. Um, all of my stuff I, uh, I post there. Um, I am doing uh, slate breakdowns on Fantasy Cruncher every week, as well as um, two uh, articles on Campus Camp, at least, every week. Uh, my stacks article uh, usually comes out on Fridays. Uh, you should see the uh, prize picks uh, early line favorites uh, dropping on Wednesdays, so most likely today if you're listening to this on the, the drop day. Um, so you can check those out. Uh, again, the CTC content is if you are an NIL member or an in-season edge member. Uh, great, great value there. So uh, check it out. And Chris, tell them uh, the article that you put out and where they can find you, buddy. Yeah, I mean, Realist Chris K uh, on Twitter. Um, also, Burning the Red Shirt, BTR underscore pod. We do a, a weekly podcast as well, just talking about random stuff, is, of course. Um, but in terms of uh, Campus to Canton, right, I'm giving you a main slate for uh, Saturday. And then between Ethan and I, I'm, I think I have the time this week to do a, a Saturday night slate as well. Right. So my Saturday slate, my main slate is more of a just like a conversational, here's seven to eight options at each position with a couple of different price ranges, right? So you should definitely be able to build a, a lineup strictly off the lineup. Uh, or off the article and then the saturday night article i'm toying with more like a core play which is like your guy that you you should really strongly consider in all formats then like a tournament play right obviously a guy a little bit more higher risk um not necessarily anti-cash game option but not one i would really like 
jam in for all cash games. And then finally, like a fade. Hey, don't play this guy because of XYZ type. So trying to give you guys a little bit of action on both slates. There's going to be a ton of action. Like this is the first of many weeks that are, that are upcoming of like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then come November, Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. Thursday, you know, and like, action. so we're just trying to maximize what we can give you guys and, and provide content throughout. And we'll tinker with it. If you have suggestions or ideas, uh, tweet any of us and we'll uh, take it into consideration and see what we can do. Yep, we're definitely trying to figure out what's going to happen after Maction starts up where we have Tuesdays. So whether that be a graphic or if you guys want us to just post, you know, maybe do a thread or something on Twitter, just hit us up, give us ideas. We're very open to all of that. So please do that. Of course, I'm Brandon Sanders. You can find me at CFF University. Of course, this podcast is uh, every single week, so you can find us here. Um, and I believe we have Alfred Fernandez next week there, one mm. of the C2C founders. So that'll be a good uh, conversation. Alfred's always a good time. Uh, whether it's talking prospects or talking lines and stuff like that, Alfred's always got some really cool insights. Uh, so it'll be a good time. Uh, so definitely check that out. And until then, we'll see you next time. Peace.